Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. It's good to see everybody here today. Uh, Before we get rolling, would you permit me? I just feel like we got to do something real quick. Um, How many of you know that the Bible says that when you follow Christ, his yoke is easy and his burden is light? right? Um, I just sense this very strong in my heart this morning. Some of you are here today and you're, you're carrying heavy burdens because you're carrying a burden that God has not asked you to carry. And when we do that, it's heavy and you can't move around with it. Um, so this year we did something different for Thanksgiving. We, uh, I usually smoke our turkey. You know, I like to, I'm like a dude. So, you know, what we, we're in charge of meats, right? You take care of the sweet potato souffle. Let me grill the meat. So usually I smoke our turkey and stuff. And this year we got, a, uh, we got one of those oilless deep fryers. Have you ever deep fried a turkey? I've always steered away from deep frying turkeys because I heard that you could blow up your house doing that. And I'm not real good with combustible things. So this year we decided to go a different route and we, and we deep fried this turkey in this oilless fryer. And my family, they'll eat like a bit of turkey, but they're not really turkey people. I mean, sometimes they're turkeys, if you know what I mean, but they don't like turkey too much. But this year, you know, I seasoned it different, injected it with butter. You can put butter in anything and it's good. Put butter on a napkin. I'll eat that napkin, <laughs> right? And it came out phenomenal. All the kids were sucking it down. Rob was sucking down the turkey. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, and it turned out great because I, I took the chance to do something a different way. And what I feel strong in my heart this morning is this. God is creating some new pathways for you to take when it comes to your relationships and some of your situations. Some of you have in front of you impossible situations and you don't know what to do. You have impossible relationships and you don't know what to do. So you keep banging your head against that same wall, against that same door. And God is great to let you bang your head against that wall. He'll let you weigh yourself out until you can finally say, Lord, I yield. You know, why don't you give it a shot? And I feel what God is saying this morning is that he wants to do some new things. Especially in the world of sorrow. Some of you have carried sorrow for too long. And you don't know how to release it. God wants to turn your mourning into dancing. He wants to give you beauty for your ashes. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling, you're of an impossible situation, I just want you to raise your hand. So do me a favor. Everybody stand up. Everybody. Keep your hand up if you raise your hand. I want you to find somebody with a raised hand. Go up to them. Put your hand on their shoulder if somebody's got their hand up. This is the body. We're just going to pray for each other real quick. Keep your hand up until somebody, somebody prays for you. Then when somebody gets you, put your hand down. If you've got an impossible situation, you just need prayer. Just lift your hands. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for God, the God of the impossible, to come into the midst of your situation to bring healing and to help you. Father, right now, we just pray in the name of Jesus. Now, as you're praying for that people, just open your mouth, start to pray for them. The Bible says that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Holy Spirit's in you. That's more than enough. God, right now, we pray for all of these people. We pray for these impossible situations. Holy Spirit, right now, we invite you to be right in the middle of all of these things. We pray that, Father, that, God, you would be the way maker. You would be the miracle worker. You would be the promise keeper. You would be the light in these dark situations, Lord Jesus. 
Father, we pray that, God, you would create a way. You would create a path, Lord Jesus. And, Father, I pray for those that are carrying sorrow in the midst of their relationships in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would come and you would start to release these burdens in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to act. Holy Spirit, we take our hands off of it and we give you permission to act. Now, right now, tell God, say, Lord, I take my hands off of it. I invite you, Spirit, to come. I invite you, Spirit, and just let it go. Let the burden go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Holy Spirit, we trust you to act. We trust you, Lord God, to do the work that no man can do. We trust you, we trust you, we trust you. Now you leave it in his hands. And when you leave here today, don't pick that sucker back up. Leave it here. Father, we trust you. We believe in you. We believe in your word. And everybody in the house together said, amen. Let's give the Lord praise before we sit down for what he's going to do. All right. You can always tell, beloved, when um, the burden you're carrying is, is, is not yours to carry. The way that we, we, we understand that is when, you know, it's just, it's heavy. His, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Um, I don't know if you can tell. Here at Trinity, we, we embrace Christmas. Can you tell? Now, let me, can I, can I bear my soul with you real quick? Sometimes for church stuff, you know, Christmas gets a bad rap. Now, don't get me wrong. We celebrate the death and the resurrection of Christ. But how many of you know this? Without a birth... There's no death and there's no resurrection. One of the most powerful verses in the, in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. You know what day that is? Christmas. So we celebrate it. Christmas for us is the time when God responded with the best that he had. He sent his son to save us in the midst of our darkness. So we celebrate that. It's an exciting time. I love it. How many of you have started, you've gone into full holiday mode? How many of you got your tree up already? You've already been falalaing. How many of you don't put your tree up till December the 24th? Grinch, 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 Grinch. <laughs> Regardless of, of what you do, um, we start our Christmas series today. Um, it's kind of fun. It's called The Unexpected Christmas Stories. How many of you know that everything about, about God keeps us on our toes? Just when you figure God out, he uh, throws us a curveball. So today we talk about a subject that I think is very important for the life of believers called hope. I remember years ago, my, uh, I think I was about 13 years old, my, uh, my father wanted to, uh, he wanted to do some more bonding experiences with me as son, so he signed us both up for karate. How many of you ever taken karate? You know, the karate kid was ruling the world. And, you know, Daniel-san, you know, you know, mop the floor. My dad was trying to get some free labor, I think, out of me. So we signed up for karate. It was like a Korean version of it. It was called Tang Doosu. And he and I would go to these classes together. And they gave us the little outfits and all the other stuff. And it was kind of cool. We had fun. So we're taking, we're at the karate. I'm doing my stuff, doing my moves. I was progressing pretty well. I was a pretty big 13-year-old kid. I've always been big. Um, you know, I, was, I think I came out of the womb at about a buck sixty-two. My mother, pray for that woman; she suffered greatly. 
And you know, isn't it great when you grow up, you're a kid in the 70s, and they would name the size of your clothes and they'd put it on the outside of you? How many of you remember, how many of you had to wear husky jeans? It's not enough that you got to get the big jeans, but you got to let all the kids in grade school know that you're not, you're not normal, but you're husky. Thank you, Sears Roebuck. Thank you, Kmart, right? Need therapy for that, right? So I was a big kid, and, and we're, we're there, and we're doing our sparring thing one day, and we're doing stuff, and, and we had black belts that were with us, and one of the black belts needed somebody to spar with. So I remember Master Kim came up to me and says, TJ, would you mind sparring with this black belt? And I looked over, there's a little girl, she's about seven years old, about that tall. And, and I thought to myself, self, you know, I don't know all the moves, but I understand physics. I'm bigger than this girl, I'm stronger than this girl, I can pretty much handle myself, everything's going to be fine. So we line up to spar. All I remember is this, a flash of white, I heard a yell that sounded like Xena, warrior princess, I saw a flurry of white and flesh-colored hands and feet coming at me. I heard high-pitched screaming, which later I realized was me, going, ah! I'm not making this up. They pulled this girl off of me, and I was just like a mess. I didn't even know what hit me. That was the last day I went to karate. Because how many of you know, worse than a physical beating is shame. And I realized something that day, you know, that um, I wasn't all that I thought I was, and what I expected the outcome to be was completely different than what it was. Have you ever experienced something where you expected one thing, but you got a different outcome? All of us have times where we just, you know, get the wrong outcome of what we want to see. Now, when I think of Christmas, you know, this, this thought process of of, of what we should have expected at Christmas and what we got for Christmas, you know, I think the Christmas experience is completely out of the realm of what we thought we needed. I mean, think back 2,000 years ago. The world was dark. It was cold. Evil had taken a stranglehold of the earth. It was a harsh, it was a cruel time. The people needed help. They needed a Messiah. They needed somebody to lead them. They need somebody to come to break the chains of darkness. They needed somebody to come and to make everything right. Now, when I hear stuff like that, when I hear about people that need freedom, in my mind, I think the answer to that is a warrior. Somebody that's a strong leader. Somebody that's got a sharp mind. Somebody that'll finally take charge. The world needed somebody that would just come and get stuff done. Now, with knowing all of what we needed, God, in his infinite wisdom, decided not to empty the armies of heaven to the earth. He didn't send Michael the archangel with all the warriors and the strongest angels he could find. His answer to our darkness was a child. Now, you know, given the child was his son, that's pretty great, but still, he was a defenseless child. Have you ever thought about this? What could a baby do against such ruthless hate. Again, more than we could ever imagine. Don't forget, beloved, God's ways are not our ways. God understood the problem more than we did. Can I let you know a little secret? God always understands the problem better than we do. He doesn't just do what we want. He does in our lives what we need if we let him. He understood this. The world did not need a Superman. 
The world needed a savior. They needed a sacrifice. That sacrifice was Jesus. So he sends his son. But before he sends his son, this is nuts. God starts to drop breadcrumbs along the way of what he's about to do. 700 years before the birth of Christ, God started to breathe and whisper into the ears of his prophets to prepare us about the coming king. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. If you have our app, you look at the, on our app, you get all my notes. If you have the U version of the Bible, you get all my notes. Forgive me if I'm a little extra raspy today. It's been a long week. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah about the coming king. It says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there'll be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Look at verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. I'll jump down to verse 6. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end, and he'll rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. So why did God, 700 years before the arrival of Christ, give these words to Isaiah to speak to his people that we're still reading today. To inspire hope. Do you know that hope is still a powerful force that still moves in our world today? Do you know who the keepers of hope is? Us. This is why as believers, we are grounded in God and what the Word says. We are not grounded in your Facebook feed. We're not grounded by what you watch on the TV. Know this, beloved. If we as a church don't stand and fly the banner of hope, hope never arises. This is why we're not chicken little Christians. The sky's falling. The sky's falling. The sky's falling. We don't do that. We're the stable ones. We're the ones that stand and we're the ones that can be anchored to. That's what hope does for us. What is hope? Hope is the thing that moves us beyond the struggle from where we are, and it points us again into where we could be, where we should be. Now, hope is such a powerful thing for us. These are some quotes from some people that are much smarter than me that have said things about hope. Billy Graham said this, God's mercy and grace give me hope for myself and for our world. Beloved, you will never have hope if all your hope rests in your own strength and, and the, the strength and understanding of mankind. How many of you know that humans will fail you? God will not. So don't let the hope of the future rest just in your hands. Put them in the hands of God. Desmond Tutu said this, Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Hope finds the light in the midst of the darkness. Robert Schuller said this, let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. Can I read that one again? Let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. 
Some of you today have got to move beyond your hurts. If you allow your past into your present, it'll dominate your future. Let it go. Let it go. Focus on those good things that God has for you. Helen Keller said this, hope sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. If you know her story, that's a good quote, right? Tertullian said this, hope is patience with the lamp lit. I think my favorite quote about hope is from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he said this, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. What does that mean? Valleys are a part of life. The valley doesn't define you. We always look to the future. We sang about that future today with God. The God that we serve is sovereign. Can I let you know a little secret? When all of the things end, when everything's done, God wins. He wins. That's the end. Spoiler alert, he wins. It's done. So we hang on to that fact. I believe this. I believe that hope is one of the greatest attributes of the believer. So here's the question. How can you and I be carriers of hope? How can the church be a carrier of hope? And how can we see our, our world, our dark world, through the lens of hope? I'm glad you asked. If you got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15. It's a great passage. Can I encourage you with something too? Don't be satisfied with reading these scriptures off the wall behind me. I know they're big and they're beautiful. Consume the word for yourself. Get your nose in the book. Then the enemy can't deceive you. Get your nose in the book. Know what you believe. Romans 15, 13 says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of energy in that little passage right there, man. So what can we learn about hope that we need, you know, in order for us to be facilitators of hope, bearers of hope, and embracers of hope? The first is this. Hope is attained through trusting in God. Trust is the, is the beginning. It's the start of the race. Again, if you trust God, that births hope in you. Trust is the currency, the fuel of hope. When you trust, you believe this, all things will be better. And again, if you don't know how to trust God, you really don't have hope in who he is. Because it's dependent on the power of who God is. Hope is very important for us as believers. Some of you struggle in your faith. Because at the core of who you are, you haven't learned to trust God yet. Trust is huge. It's the doorway. We, um, my dad, before he died, wanted to give us a mighty present so that we could remember him every year around Christmas time. So my dad bought us this ginormous tree, a fake tree that could either, it could grow to nine foot tall. It's got this huge base. It could be six foot all the way to nine foot tall. It, it's got all these different colors. It dances with lights. It's, it's crazy. It weighs like 7,000 pounds. So every year we drag out this big dumb tree. It's huge. And then we put it somewhere and it's on the lowest setting because we don't have big ceilings. But my dad wanted us to have this so we could remember him every year. So this year we decided we're dumb moving around the big heavy tree. If you'd like a big heavy dumb tree with LED lights that grows to nine foot tall, call me, it's for sale. 
Call me online, it's for sale. So we decided this year we were going to buy a skinny light tree. So um, I'm a preparer. So that means anything I want for December, I'm usually buying in October. Is anybody like me? You know, because I've been burned by Amazon too many times, right? Did you ever buy something from Amazon and they promised you it was going to be there and it wasn't there? We had a present one time order from Amazon for Christmas that showed up in March. Fa la 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 la. And there's nothing worth on Christmas Day going, this is a picture of what I bought you. If you look at it, it's really slick, but it's not here, right? So I, I call Lowe's and I order this tree. They did a sale, it was in end of October, right before Halloween. And I'm all excited. I'm a Lowe's person. Lowe's has never failed me until this point. So I get, a, I get a little text on my Lowe's app. It says, your tree has arrived. November the 15th, come and pick up your beautiful tree. So Robin and I are away. We get back a little late. No big deal. The tree's still there. So we go into Lowe's. I got my little app. I said, I'm here for my tree that I've already paid for. They look around. They said, sir, we don't have your tree. I said, go look again because this app on my phone says you do have my tree. They go, okay. So the 19-year-old manager of the whole store is that, by the way, some of you that are older, apply for good jobs, please. He goes in the back and says, sir, we do not have your tree. I said, your app says that you have my tree. I paid for it. What do I do? And he goes, I don't know. I said, you're the manager. You don't know what to do. I don't know. I said, well, am I going to get my tree? He goes, I don't know. I said, can you exchange this for another tree? He goes, no. Dirty dog. I said, there's a display. Can I have that one? No, you can't. I said, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, I don't know. So then I tried to appeal to his human side. I said, listen, Spiffy, put yourself in my shoes. I said, am I going to have a tree to decorate for Christmas? You want to have a tree? To, you want your family to decorate a tree? We want to have a festive, you know, holly jolly time. I said, so can you tell me, is this going to be here in time for us for Christmas? And he goes, sir. If I were you, I'd buy another tree. I said, but you have my money. He goes, I know. <laughs> so you know what I did? I went home and I bought another tree on Amazon. That's here. You know why I had to go a different route? I didn't trust the 19-year-old manager at Lowe's. Because he said nothing to make me believe that something was going to happen. Trust, hope. When it comes to your life and your faith, here is the fundamental question. Do you trust God enough with your present and your future to live your Christian life through the lens of hope? If you trust God, you'll have hope. Even when things don't look great, you'll have hope. Let me ask you a question. Do you trust that God has a plan even when your world seems like it's falling apart? Even when the dots don't connect the way that you want them to, do you still trust that God has a plan or do you jump off the boat? Are you a fair weather Christian or do you hold the line because the God you serve is faithful? Can I ask you a question? When's the last time God has ever not been faithful to you? If he's faithful in the past, he'll be faithful to you now. That's how you receive God's promises. Hope is the key that unlocks the promises of God. This is what the scriptures have to say about hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, that almost everybody knows, says this. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future 
and a hope. God's heart for you is that you have a future and you have a hope. Psalm 9:10 says this, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God does not leave you high and dry. He walks with you. This is my most favorite scripture about hope right here. Psalm 37, 5 says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. Commit your way to the Lord, trust him, and he will act. It doesn't say he might act. It doesn't say if he's having a good, a good God day, he'll act. It says he'll act. So here's the question this morning. We know what the word says. How do you know when the word goes from your head and finally gets into your heart? Because how many of you know your heart is the one that steers the boat, right? How many of you have ever been in love before? How many of you ever did dumb things because you were in love? You know, the Beatles. All we need is love. How many of you know that's fake news? Right? How do you know when these scriptures and your faith moves from your head into your heart? I got good news for you. God gave you a gauge. He gave you a little dial, like in your car, to show you the level of trust that you have with God when it comes to this, this word of hope. He gave you this little gauge. You, know, you want to know what this gauge is? Peace. Peace is the gauge in your life that shows you when you really trust God or when you don't. Peace indicates for us how much we really trust Him. Beloved, if all you do is worry if you're constantly captivated by fear, if you're constantly troubled, if you can't seem to find peace, you don't have an environmental issue. You have a trust issue. Why? Because trusting God is the source of peace. It is. This is what Philippians 4, 6 says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When you trust Him, your peace gauge goes ding, and you feel at peace. It doesn't make sense, but it works. And then this is what peace does for you. We're going to talk about this next week. Peace guards your heart. Peace guards your mind. Peace is a sentry that stands there that says, you shall not pass. It guards us from worry and all those things. All of that comes from trust. When we truly understand and we learn how to trust God, the situation you matter, that situation that you face, it doesn't even matter. When you truly trust God, you'll experience God's peace for your now and for your future. Jeremiah puts it this way. 17, Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says this. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord that have made the Lord, their hope and confidence. Verse 8, they're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by the long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. I love the back part of that verse. The trees aren't bothered by the heat and they don't worry about the drought and they produce fruit and they produce fruit and they produce fruit regardless of the season. Why do we struggle to trust? The passage tells us. You trust to the degree of where you draw your source of life from. Where are your roots drawing their source of life? Are you rooted in yourself? Are you rooted in your own abilities? 
Are you rooted in your fears? Are you rooted in your weaknesses? Are you rooted in your money? Are you rooted in, oh, I can't even going to say it, the government? Any government. All governments. Or are you rooted in the Prince of Peace? Are you rooted in the living water? Jesus is the living water. When we're rooted in the living water, it doesn't matter what goes on around us. The dry times don't bother us. The droughts don't bother us. We just continue to produce fruit, 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 fruit. This is the living water. John 4.13 says this, If you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But anybody who drinks the living water I give them, they'll never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. Kind of sounds like hope, doesn't it? Endless life, baby. So here's the first question of the day. Where are you rooted? Your trust is determined on where you're rooted. Bow your heads for a second. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. Say, Lord, will you show me where my roots go? Show me if I really trust you or if I base my trust in other things. Now listen to what He tells you. All right, let's keep going. So we know this. Hope is attained through the way we trust God. It starts with how we trust God. Second, this is fun. Hope is amplified through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is. Hope moves just beyond the inside of you and moves to others when the Holy Spirit gets involved. Look at the passage. It says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. That's about you. Then he says this. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The overflow is for everybody around you. That's the heart of God. Have you ever noticed this? God just never, he never gives you just what you need. He gives you what you need and a little bit more. Why? So you can bless others. So it can be poured out to others. Hope is the response of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The more you walk in the Spirit, the more hope flows. Why? You ready for this? Because the Holy Spirit brings the impossible into our realm, into our world. Those things that we battle that are impossible, the Holy Spirit comes in and He changes the game. He loves to invade our space. And He loves to do impossible things in our lives. It's funny to me. And I'll talk to people, you know, in the church world, people have different understandings on the work of the Holy Spirit. And there are certain factions in the church world that believe that God doesn't have to do miracles anymore. I believe this, God will continue to do miracles as long as miracles are needed. How many of you still think we need miracles? As long as we continue to battle disease. As long as we face impossible situations, we need a God that speaks into the impossible and says, no, through me all things are possible. Right? That's what hope is for us. The Holy Spirit is what activates those things. It brings God's possibilities into our broken world. Have you ever thought about that? The Holy Spirit gives us hope, which is God's response to impossible situations. Because here's the reality. When God shows up, everything changes. 
when he shows up, hope starts to rise, baby. Just the way that it works. There's a great story about this in Luke. Luke chapter 18. Where Jesus has an encounter with a blind man. Just a great story. It says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowds going by, he asked what was happening. They told him Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And look at verse 38. It says, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Why did this blind man call out to Jesus after he heard who it was? You know why? He heard the stories. How could you not have heard the stories? He heard the people talking about this guy, Jesus, when he showed up, bananas, things happened. People that were lame started to walk. People that were blind start to see. People that were demonized, they, they're set free. By the way, do people, can they be demonized? Yes. Anybody, by the way, if you're ever with somebody that is, if you're wondering, are they demonized or not? You, there's no doubt when you're with people that have demons in them. Every hair, your leg hair stands out. Every hair in your body stands out. Trust me. This guy heard the stories. And just in the stories, when Jesus enters the room, hope rises. When you share your stories about God, hope starts to rise. So this is great. Look at verse 39. We'll go to 38. It says, he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 39, those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Who were the ones that led the way? These were the ones that were part to see for Jesus. Jesus has got important ministry stuff to do. Everybody get out of the way. Everybody get out of the way. Beloved, we have to be careful that we don't push the desperate out of the way. Because their desperation doesn't fit our programs. We have to be very careful. Sometimes we can be the ones that push people away from Jesus. Jesus loves desperate people. Do you hear me, beloved? We can never let our order, our high order, and our fear of the unknown keep desperate people from God. At our church, we are passionate about pursuing God's presence, and we are passionate about the lost. We move heaven and earth to see lost people come to Christ. So these people, they're moving, you know, get out of the way, and just made them louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Look at verse 40. Jesus stopped, and he ordered the man to be brought to him. He was heard. When he came near Jesus, when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do, you want me, what do you want me to do for you? Now, this is interesting. Do you think Jesus knew that the guy was blind? Of course he did. Why did he ask him, what do you want me to do for you? For the miraculous, you need two things. You have the power of God, and you have the word of faith, hope. You know what we bring to the table? Trust, hope. God, I believe you can do this. God, this is what I need from you. God, will you come? Will you touch me? When you mix that with the Holy Spirit, that is a formula for the impossible, for God to do impossible things. Sometimes we just, sometimes we are content in our brokenness. We're content in our affliction. And God will allow us to be in situations to help to percolate us, to bring out our desperation. Why? Because he loves you so much he wants to heal you. He loves you so much, he wants to take that burden off of you. He loves you so much, he wants you to be free. So you embrace that. So he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. 
Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Now look at this. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Hope is amplified through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus comes in the room, hope rises. And what happened? All those people, hope in their hearts. Do you think there was a buzz in that city? Of course there was. This beggar, we're still talking about him today, 2,000 years after the act. Why? Hope rises. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, hope rises. One of the greatest ways for you and I to pass along hope into others is by allowing the Holy Spirit not just to transform us, but to flow through us, to do impossible things. When you allow the Holy Spirit to operate in your life, the Spirit births hope in you and it affects everybody that's around you. But you have to be willing to say yes. I remember when we were at our church in Denver, one of the beautiful things about being in Denver for me was I was a football coach too at the high school, which meant this. I had an endless supply of families that didn't know God. I coached their kids, and, and they liked me as a coach. We were successful. So I could talk to them about Jesus. They would call me Pastor Coach. So we'd always had families that would show up. And I remember there was this one lady. I had an opportunity, a privilege of coaching three of her four sons. Um, her name was Bobby Wade. Bobby was, was a real neat lady, and I could tell she was quiet. She was kind of trying to figure me out, the loud Greek guy. I don't know if you've picked that up. I'm a loud Greek guy. And I invited her to church, you know, often. And then one day, during one of our weekend services, she actually showed up. So I was like, this is amazing. She showed up, and I prayed, you know, sometimes this is how pastors pray. I'm like, Lord, Bobby's here today. It'd be great if she had a really neat encounter with you that wasn't too crazy. Can you make sure church isn't crazy today? And everything's calm and everything goes well. Have you ever prayed that? i prayed that a lot of times. <clears throat> so we're, we're in worship and I'm getting ready to talk, and I'm about maybe 10 minutes into my talk. And all of a sudden, the back doors of the church swing open. And a lady comes in the back, and she's staggering, and she's talking out of her mind. Help me! I need help! Somebody has to help me! And you could smell her from where, even where I was at. She had been drinking heavily, and I'm like, God, not today. Bobby's here, not today. And everybody's stunned. And all of a sudden, one of my ladies in the back, one of my older ladies, she goes up, she grabs this lady, she says, sweetheart, we're here to help you. You came to the right place. And she starts loving this lady, starts sobbing, and three and four of our other ladies start, and they start sobbing, and they're crying, we take a second in the service, and say, guys, we're just going to pray right now for our new friend, and we pray for her, and it's really cool, and they end up taking her out of the service, they minister to her, and it's great. So we get done with the services, and I go back, and I see Bobby. I say, hey, Bobby, good to see you at church today. And I start to apologize for her experience. I said, Bobby, I'm so sorry. Church isn't usually like that. It's usually different. We just come in, we do our stuff. And I look, she looks up to me and there's tears streaming down her face. I said, Bobby, what's going on? She says, that woman, she goes, um, is that was me. She says, for about 15 years, I was, I was the town drunk. I would go from bar to bar, place to place. I was the one my kids were embarrassed of. She goes, and one of the things that kept me from coming here was knowing that that's my reputation. That's what I bring to the table. She goes, and I didn't think anybody could ever accept me. She goes, but I saw how you engaged this, this woman, and she is me. And she goes, now I know 
that not only is this a place that I can come in to know God, who he is, she says, but I can actually grow here. This is actually, this is Bobby and her, her four sons. She gave her heart to Christ. Her kids gave their heart to Christ. This is not ready for this. Bobby was divorced. She even brought her ex-husband to experience what God had done for her. That's transformed. As much as he's like, as much as was a worthless guy as he is, she goes, I'm bringing him. If God could change me, he could change anybody. Why? How do you experience all those things? When the Holy Spirit takes the lead, hope rises. When God enters the picture, when you allow God to enter the picture through your life, hope rises and impossible things happen. Galatians 5, 5 says this. We, on the other hand, continue to live through the Spirit's power and wait confidently in the hope that things will be put right through faith. When you commit your way to the Lord and you allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you, miracles happen and hope multiplies. It does. Now, sometimes we think that God can only use us when we're having a good faith day. Like, have you ever had like good hair days? I got a great hair day. Take my picture quick, right? Sometimes we think, well, God can only use us when we're in our A game when it comes to spiritual things. But do you know that even in your weakness, God can flow through you to bring miracles and to bring hope? Well, how is that possible? Beloved, miracles aren't dependent on you. It's not about the power that you bring to the table. Do you know the most powerful thing you bring to the table? Is your yes. Allowing God to use you. That's it. This is 2 Corinthians 2.10, and I love the way the Passion Translation puts this. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. Listen to this last part. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Less of you, more of him. So maybe you're here today and you're, you're, you're captured by sorrow and brokenness. The darkness seems like it's moving in around you and you need an infusion of hope. I've got good news for you. Jesus is here and when Jesus is in the room, hope rises. We'll pray for you today and God will break the chains of darkness. He will. Now maybe you're here today and there are people that are all around you in this season that need to experience supernatural hope. Here's the question. Will you let God use you so that miracles can come, so that hope can rise? Bow your heads. I want you to take a minute. I just want you to talk to the Holy Spirit. Ask Him right now to make your heart tender and to be receptive. And just ask Him, say, Lord, what would you have me do so that I could be a carrier? Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.